0: This is efficiency on demand. On demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic, craziness. No time, no fun. Just work, work, work. work. Perform. Perform harder. Harder. Push. Push. Machines. High pressure, no time. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency On Demand. And this is your host, Monique.
1: Okay, welcome everybody to Efficiency On Demand. Today I have my very, very first guest with me, Ben McAdam from Australia, right? Yeah. Cool. Let me guess, Melbourne?
2: Sydney. Ah, Good guess. Almost.
1: Every time I guess Sydney, I'm like, no, sorry, I'm from Melbourne. And I'm like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a coin flip. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think people sometimes take it the wrong way if I ask for Sydney and they're like, no, I'm actually from Melbourne. But anyways, we're <laughs> we're not going to get into that. But Ben is a profits coach and he actually going to multiply your income without you having to do much more. But Ben can tell you way more about that. So Ben... Let me ask you first, what are you actually doing with and for entrepreneurs?
2: Yeah, so I, I'm a profits coach, so it's a advisor uh, coaching kind of a role. And I help business owners who are like six or seven figure businesses. They want to grow, they want to earn more, or maybe they have a savings goal, or they're spending too much time on the business or firefighting instead of growing it. And I basically help them fix all that and get to whatever their goal is, whether that's a money goal or a time goal. Perfect. And it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Oh, and it's good for them too, I should right. say.
1: <laughs> Perfect. So basically, we do have a similar approach, right? So because you're going from time perspective as well, but your main angle mm-hmm. is to increase profits, right? So you do also financial advising.
2: Yes. Okay. Yep.
1: So give us a little background about yourself. Where where are you coming from, not only from Australia, but where are you coming from in a, in a professional background, basically?
2: Yeah, so for me, I wasn't actually anything to do with business in the beginning. I was absolutely obsessed with playing classical piano music. I would sit on my piano for hours and hours and hours, and uh, I studied here at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music for a year and a half, doing a music education degree after I finished high school. But then the problem was somebody had given me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a couple of years before high school ended. And there were a lot of interesting things in that book that concepts I'd never come across before. But the one, there were two that really grabbed me. One was about business, not actually real estate. It was business, talking about business and what's possible with business and how everything you see around you was made through business and the interesting things you can do with business. And so I got really interested in that and I would draw these little business plans, just little calculations about, oh, I could buy this for this much and I could sell it for that much and I could hire some people and, oh, look, I'm rich, you know, in two years. <laughs> i did do these crazy little plans like that. And then the other thing that grabbed me out of the book is he said something to the effect of the accountant and the lawyer see everything that goes on in the business. And I thought, hmm, so if I wanted to learn how a business worked, then I should be an accountant because I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I thought I should be an accountant and then I get to see everything. And so I started an accounting business degree. I got a job in a a local accounting firm and I got really bored because it was just doing tax returns and government compliance stuff over and over and over again. And (laughs) for some reason, I didn't really connect with the other accountants because they were okay with that kind of thing. And I was there for business. And I eventually switched to working inside a business. And that was interesting. That's where I learned uh, a lot of things like I had hoped to when I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And worked for a couple of businesses, worked for a couple of different tax firms, got a pretty broad range of experience. And then what are we up to almost six years ago? Oh no, about six years years ago now, my first child, a, a daughter was on the way. And I thought, well, the reason why you're doing all this, Ben, is you wanted free time, you wanted to be able to spend it with your kids when they came along, you wanted to be able to spend it traveling, you wanted to be in business for yourself. There's kind of a ticking clock now <laughs> with, a, with a child on the way. So um, I ended up uh, fast tracking and starting my own tax practice and while my daughter was, was born, all around that time, so I was spending time with her and growing the tax practice at yeah. the same time, so I had to be pretty productive because I wanted every waking moment to be spent with her. But then about six months later I started a online bookkeeping business with a with a co founder. And so with two businesses and a child I wanted to spend a lot of time with. It's like I I like to think I got fairly good at productivity that works for me, but I've refined my mm-hmm. approach over the years since then and sold those two businesses. So I'm just focusing full time now on the profits coaching, which is more where I wanted to be and it it allows my life to be the way I like it. And I get to spend time with my kids. I get to go to their school things. Um, I get to take time off during the school holidays and do interesting things with them.
1: Awesome. Mm. That sounds amazing, especially because it's very funny. You probably don't know. But you're coming from that classical piano site. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a similar, like, that's a similar background for us. I'm coming from the ballet kind of site. Okay. So I've been a semi-professional ballerina and it's very interesting to see that, um, that some people come from like a classical music background and then be like, you know. And I feel like it has a lot to do with the discipline you're learning in classical music or ballet as well. Because I don't think that ever someone who hasn't been doing anything with like, for example, piano, if you don't practice every single day for hours, you're not going to get good at it. Mm. like it's not you're falling out of the heaven or you or i was about to say like where you're actually coming from but <laughs> we all know then um <laughs> that you know you know your mom bringing you into the world and then uh mm. you're actually good at piano like there's there's no way that's what happens like there's obviously people with talent but if you don't practice enough and if you don't have discipline then it's not gonna happen and same as ballet like it's it's mm. it's a practice to death
2: basically yeah and it was interesting when I was studying there were like world-class musicians teaching there and Mm -hmm. and regularly performing there but mainly it was the fact that seeing how those people behave and how they spend their time was really interesting like in between the lessons with their students you know, a lot of the piano teachers were in their studio practicing for some upcoming recording or performance. And it was, it, yeah, it was really interesting seeing their discipline as well. I think I got a lot from that, whereas, you know, before I went and studied there, it was just I'd go for a weekly piano lesson with my teacher in the local area. Yeah. And I didn't get to see what happened outside of that. Um, but, yes, the, the discipline thing was, uh, was very useful. I mean, I... Not very typical. I don't like doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. I like a bit of variety. That's why I'm better at entrepreneurship than classical piano or accounting <laughs> <laughs> or, or being an accountant, I should say. So so there was a bit of a clue earlier on, but it was I, I've still got the skills so that when I need to, like when my daughter was born, I can really focus and do what I need to do.
1: yeah. I had the same experience with the ballet. Like our trainers, they came from the best ballet ensembles all over the country or even all over Europe. And they would train with us. They wouldn't just tell us what to do, but they would give their all in our training. And mind you, I started when I was three years old. So to see a trainer from the Ukraine going all in on the training when I was like four or five, six years old, and being literally flat out dead after the training with us as like children, right? Like it, it was literally mm. just, it was not the best school I was in, but he would just go all in every single time was telling me, okay, mm. this is how it works, right? This is how I get into one of those schools. So yeah, this is mm. really helpful. So mm-hmm. while we are at there, you talked a lot about productivity, and obviously this podcast is called Efficiency on Demand. So tell me what you think efficiency is or what, what efficiency means to you.
2: Yeah. I um, Another another book that was a big influence for me was The 4-Hour Workweek mm-hmm. by Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss, which, you know, you probably got in common. <laughs> and there, are, there were two, I think it was two big productivity things that I got from that that just blew my mind. And one thing he said in there was the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. Efficiency is doing things fast and, you know, not wasting time, removing any unnecessary steps, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that really that really resonated with me. That was that was definitely the way I thought about it. It's kinda of like when I was sitting at the piano playing, removing any extra motions that I didn't need so that I could actually practice for eight hours. Mm-hmm. You had to be really efficient and and I usually think of of anyone who's like a master at any craft or any trade. They've usually, or like the Bruce Lee quote about subtraction. Yeah, mastery comes from tr- subtracting things, and and efficiency is is all of those things for me. But the other bit that exploded my mind from the Tim Ferriss book was a- effectiveness, like doing the picking the right things to do. Yeah. So it, it's it's kind of like efficiency on a on a high level, like you're being efficient with the things you put on your to do list, removing the things that aren't necessary. And I found that really super important to make sure that you're only doing the things that really need to be done. And and that leaves you time to do the other things more efficiently with the like the classical definition of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One hundred percent. I one hundred percent agree. I think many people don't actually see how much bullshit they put on their tasks
2: Mm.
1: and we can swear here so that's fine (laughs) it's an explicit podcast okay (laughs) especially because of me but um (laughs) but the thing is i see this a lot when i start working with entrepreneurs how many of those tasks are so unnecessary it's just Mm -hmm. like busy 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 because obviously the ones that the tasks that actually move you forward are the ones that are really uncomfortable Mm, so we're trying to we're trying to just do things that may not be so uh, uncomfortable but they feel like we we do something and they feel like oh we actually got something done you know Mm. like let's let's connect with 10 more people on social media or let's you know (laughs) (laughs) oh yes or let's comment in 25 more Facebook groups on some other people's questions. I'm sure they're going to tell me to work with me straight off. Like all these kind of (laughs) things, right? (laughs) We know all of these tactics and techniques and whatever, but are they, first of all, the right ones for your business, right? And second Mm. of all, do they actually get you to the goal? And Mm. I think it's so, so important. I have a few questions that I go through with my with my clients to actually figure out whether or not they're the right tasks to do. Right. And two questions Mm. are like, do they make you money or do they make your time? And if it's a no, just kick those tasks out. Right. Mm. And so it's really, really easy to, uh, not easy, but it's simple to kind of go through. And it's just, I think the harder part is to just actually get them out of your list because then you have to replace them with the uncomfortable (laughs) tasks.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I really like what you're saying about busyness as protection from the uncomfortable things you know you should be doing.
0: Yeah.
2: For me, the thing that's really difficult is putting myself out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um mm. so like my clients are happy with the results and I love being on calls with them. On a sales call, I can do a great job. The right people sign up with me with the the marketing, I've got like some content and you know got my email newsletter and stuff to nurture people, but that like top, really top of the funnel of people becoming aware of me is like, "Ah, that's so uncomfortable, which is odd for someone who was a piano performer, but <laughs> 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 yeah, guest podcasts are my thing that's that's why we're here. hello everyone um <laughs> but yeah, so that that stage is what's super uncomfortable for me, and I would. Avoid it like the plague. Like I just anything that was like that, I'd find something else that really needed to be done, or I'd think about changing the way I coach my clients. Like you know, maybe a group program, or maybe one-on-one, or maybe I'll use this structure for my one-on-one calls, or you know, maybe I'll make a full program out of it instead of just like designing the shortest path to their goals. I'll like let's go through all these steps. So instead of fixing the top of the marketing funnel problem, I'd be over here fixing a delivery issue because I was avoiding the the uncomfortable thing. What I found that helped me with that is working out what is inside my comfort mm-hmm. zone or what's the closest to my comfort mm-hmm. zone and that's guest podcasting. I had a podcast for a while. I've been on a few podcasts and so that's that's something I – and I enjoy having a conversation yeah. with people. So that's what I'm doing right now. And it seems to be going okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's let's drill a little bit deeper there because I mm-hmm. think it's really, really important for people to know as well. And I do believe it has to do with efficiency because if we get really, really uncomfortable and for me, efficiency doesn't only need to be meaning to be productive, but also for me, it's also it's also kind of a, a word that for me means, okay, so I'm in this zone where I don't feel like I want to be here and I'm finding a way out, just like you described it, right? And so efficiency for me has a lot of different kind of meanings. And so I find it really interesting to see, okay, especially for entrepreneurs and business owners, they get a lot to this glass ceiling where they have to just kind of find a way out, right? It's either there's a little leak or they have to just push through or whatever it is. But it's really interesting to me. So you say there's a top of a funnel and you didn't quite feel comfortable to fix it in the beginning. Mm. So, But we all know we have to get there or we risk kind of losing our businesses, right? Mm. Because you got to have a top of a funnel. And I 100% agree with you. I do not feel comfortable with being out there. And the funny part is once I am out there, I have such a momentum that I I would literally explode because I don't know why that is, but I am a kind of a person that naturally is just, and I think it comes with the ballet experience as well. Mm -hmm. I know how to perform and I am a stage person. But for me, it has a different background of why I don't feel safe doing that anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm fixing that now, or I work through that now, but it's still, as soon as I am out there, and actually a lot of people come, and there are also the wrong kind of people coming with their D-picks and everything like this. And then I'm like, uh. oh, uh, no, I didn't, no, no, thanks. I, nah, mm-mm, no. <laughs> Not that you see much on those pics, anyways, because it's tiny. <laughs> <To> like-
2: <laughs> yes,
1: I'm just, uh, you know, most, uh, anyways. But this is too much detail. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's it's, it, you know, the unsolicited, unexpected message that you get there is is mm. is punishment enough.
2: Let's just say that. <laughs> Yeah. So the... it's 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 similar sorry sorry to interrupt but it's similar to one of the things that has stopped me putting myself out there not because I'm going to get those kind of pictures <laughs> but like just negative reactions yeah. or, or messages I don't want mm-hmm. to worried about that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And the problem with like with the, with the ballet and with the classical piano is that it gives you a ridiculously high attention to detail and a, a bit of a critical mindset a bit just a bit. Um, <laughs> just a bit yeah like oh I was I was my my arm was half an inch or a couple of centimeters out from where it should have been oh the whole thing is ruined and and yeah for me for the piano it's like oh I didn't hit that particular key out of the thousands of notes in that whole piece I was playing that particular key was just oh so yeah there's a, there's a critical mindset we've got from from that background and there's always been an external party judging us whether it's an audience or it's a teacher or it's a, a an actual judge in a competition and so that that can take a lot of shaking off and I've had to do a lot of work on that for myself and that's been pretty helpful but it has taken longer than I would
0: have liked yes yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah but eventually I kind of with a lot of stretching of the comfort zone here and stretching of it there like I've I've spoken at a couple of conferences I flew into state to speak at a networking mm. event wow that was really hard but I I did it and it was like so far out of any area that could have an impact on my life or my business if it went badly but still it was like you know but it did expand my mm. comfort zone it's like I've been through that horrible thing getting on a guest podcast is nothing. I can do that all day now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that. So yeah. what do you think would have been the steps that would have taken you from, I don't want to be out there and I don't have a top of a funnel or my top of the funnel doesn't really work to be, well, mm. I'm getting people all the time now asking me to help them with their profits.
2: So for me, how I initially got my clients was from accounting or bookkeeping clients I had I just say hey you know this is something that accountants and bookkeepers don't often do it's like hey I, I was having a look at that report I did for you about your business that profit and loss or income statement and I can see a couple of things that maybe we should work on I realized after a while that that my clients would r- rather that I focused all of my time on that kind of advice and it was more fun for me so that's why you know getting rid of the, the other businesses so I, I, I got a lot of clients from that. I also got a lot of clients from networking, like being at conferences, like the the Dynamite Circle group we're both a member of runs you know a number of events through the year. And all of them usually have a mastermind session where you for those who don't know, listening, it's like where you're sitting around the, the table with up to eight, Business owners you each have half an hour to talk about a challenge and you get advice from the others, advice and questions from the other business owners on the table. That has turned out to be a fairly good way to get clients because people see how helpful I can be and they're like, hey, we should talk some more. I'm like, great, because I thought I was just here Mm -hmm. among among peers and friends so it didn't feel like a performance kind of a thing, didn't feel like I was putting myself out there. And the same thing at the conference. Like, you just go, mm-hmm. I just go chat to people, and it's a conference about business. So that's what we're all talking about. And I give a couple of sessions, and they're like, oh, maybe we should talk. So just doing those sorts of things where I'm not actually putting myself out there, but people can happen to notice how helpful I am it was kind of like my baby step, I think. And then just helping more and more people, mm-hmm. and then I'd get referrals but that didn't require me to put myself out there. So for two years or more, I did that. Um, yeah. Totally avoided putting myself out there. And while I was regularly going to conferences and and things like that, I had a steady enough stream of leads that I was able to just hide from the thing I didn't want to do. Um, yeah. But I want to help a lot more people than I can help with that kind of thing I also want to earn a lot more money and I don't want to just like charge outrageous fees to a, a small group of clients to get that so I realized okay this is about beginning of last year when I was sitting down I was reviewing my you know news resolutions what do I want to do this year what sucked about the previous years that I need to fix that kind of thing when I was doing that at the beginning of last year I said su- I said to myself all right Ben it's time to stop avoiding marketing you teach your clients about this stuff, it's time to take your own medicine. (laughs) So I tried a number of things like speaking at conferences, uh, went on a few guest podcasts, spoke at a couple of networking events over the course of of the whole of last year. I think that was maybe 10 or 15 times I was putting myself out there over Mm -hmm. a whole year, which is not very much. And I distracted myself with a whole bunch of stuff, but at least it was better than what I'd done in previous years.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then just as I keep doing these things and I have this, you know, oh, my God, that really sucked. That was so far out of my comfort zone. Why am I doing this? As I had that torturous experience, each time it, it sucked less.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> and so then my resistance to doing it again gets less and less and it's like this snowball effect. I hate the snowball because it takes so long to really get going, but I'd probably still suck at marketing if not for the snowball (laughs) 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 effect.
1: I feel it's, to be honest, like just for the people who are listening, and I feel this should resonate with almost everyone. Isn't it ironic how we can give advice and be the best in giving advice because it works so well? And then we are the ones who are standing here and be like, yeah, if it only would work for me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, A number of people I've talked to and I said, man, I can't get past this marketing barrier, this this, whatever's going on in my head about it. And I said, okay, you're a coach. Take out a piece of paper. You're going to have a little coaching conversation with yourself. On one side you write you're a thing and on the other side you write what." You know, you the coach says, and there are a few swear words on the page in both directions, but it was really helpful. What I've noticed, I mean, part of the appeal of being an advisor is that I'm not in the arena, Mm -hmm. as Brené Brown would say. Mm -hmm. There's a lot less risk, so that's part of the reason. I mean, the majority of the reason is that I like helping people, um, and I can do more this way than than other ways. And every now and then I get so focused on being the advisor and being the coach for my clients that I forget I've also got to be the brave business owner of my own business and continue pushing myself out of the comfort zone. I forget who said it, but business is one of the greatest personal development programs out there because it, it keeps pushing you outside of your comfort zone, not just like giving you opportunities to go, but it's like you. They were like barriers to growth at various stages of a business that people get stuck at because there's a particular mind block that they refuse to move past or can't yeah. move past on their own. Um, yeah.
1: It's
2: kind of and like the further being... we get,
1: the more glass ceilings we have to break. Yes. Through.
2: There's always a new one. There's always a new mental barrier or yeah. or, or internal issue to to, to get through.
1: Yeah. yeah. And as you just mentioned, Brene Brown, I love her exercise. And I actually just wrote about it yesterday. The story I tell myself right now is. So she uses that to actually raise awareness for yourself that your thoughts and your emotions that you attach to these thoughts are actually just a story that you create. So neuroscientifically, emotions only last for 90 seconds. The sensations in our bodies arise, they peak, and then they just dissolve. And it takes. Around ninety seconds. Don't use a timer. It's more or less right. (laughs) But uh, there was, uh, I think, Jill Bolte Taylor. She's a neuroscientist, and she has found that emotions themselves in the brain and in the body they don't last longer than ninety seconds. What does make emotions Mm -hmm. stick is the stories that we attach to them because we want to. We want to explain, we want to justify them, we want to try to repel the judgment that we feel about those emotions and all this kind of things, right? So you want to say, well, you know, we also want to kind of try to get our ego to not feel so bad about these emotions, all these things. (laughs) And so um, those stories, they get stuck, right? So in the story that I'm telling myself about this whole marketing thing is that when I get out there too much is that I'm not safe because I will get attacked Mm. in a very hurtful way because it happened before not in a marketing kind well all well whatever (laughs) more or less Mm. and I do think that a lot of people have that in one or the other way whether it Mm. is with rejection or negative responses as you have it maybe or for many women and men as well out there, and probably as well a lot of LGBT and transgenders who who get this attacking and unsafe feeling if they're getting out there, right? And I feel like um, if we can create a different story, which I'm doing right now as well, and I'm doing this for way too long, as <laughs> you, it's taking so long. <laughs>
2: It does. But it's worth <laughs> it. It's
1: worth it. So so I think then then we can just change it, and it's gonna be so worth it to just try and and work on it, right?
2: Mm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. the The type of people I type of business owners I like working with and and socializing with, there's usually some element of uh, like they have a focus on self-development mm-hmm. and growth. Mm-hmm. And self awareness, so that they know that they've there's some things that are limiting them from getting where they want to go, mm-hmm. and then self development, like they're they're always committed to to growing and improving and moving past those things that aren't serving them very well anymore. Yeah, and yes, it can take a while, longer than you would like. Yeah. like I I remember at the beginning of last year thinking, okay, like when I said I was I was going to focus on marketing, I remember thinking, okay, so. That'll be my focus for this quarter. I want to say this month, but you know, just in case, I'll make it the first quarter of this year, and then I'll have it solved.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and then here we are, eighteen months or more later, and I'm still like, oh, it's still not going how I would how I would have liked it to go yeah. way back then. Yeah. So it's uh, yes, self it, it can be slow, but the the silver lining or the positive spin on that is that. If it's slow, it's because it's a big thing, mm-hmm. and it's great to be making progress on a big thing. Right? Um, you know, will it will unlock like the next level? Not just make your life or your business five or ten percent better. It's like this. This is this is next level exponential kind of growth. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, fine, I can take my time with that if I need to.
1: <laughs> it's so so interesting because I believe that if we were in for the long term and for the long run, for the whatever you want to call it, like for for the long-term game, the long run, whatever. This one, that's what I mean. (laughs) Everything together. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to just have short-term gratification, right, which a lot of people are trying to get because they need that dopamine hit. So they're trying to get a lot of likes, comments, engagement. Mm -hmm. They're looking for this new Stripe uh, notification that says like, I got another $27 <laughs> on my product or whatever it is, mm-hmm. which is not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong. What I'm saying is it is not healthy on a consistent daily basis because you're training yourself for the wrong thing, right? Mm. You don't want to have this dopamine hit all the time. You want to actually train yourself to celebrate all of your wins consistently. But you want to also have to look out on the big picture for the long game. Mm. Anyways, what I wanted to say is, if you are in for the marathon of business, because it's not, it's not a sprint, mm. right? We all know that, <laughs> or we should, or, or one day we just find out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by accident. <laughs> then. I think it's so important and I I, my, my clients they will they will have to understand it as well if they want it or not but I used to say you know it's basically with the Kaizen principle and you probably know that mm. too right it's 1% a day if you can just get 1% better every single day then it's 1% more than everyone else
2: mm. yeah
1: or almost everyone else right but it's it's that thing. If you just keep making progress, then that's what you want. Mm-hmm. It's not like make a progress and you're done or have the overnight success, which takes 10 years to make.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? It, it, but it's this consistent progress. And that's what why I like that you say, like, you know, it's taking me already 18 months with this marketing thing. Okay, right. Well, but guess what? Probably... If you do it another 18 months, then you're one of the greatest ones to do your own marketing, and then you can outsource it.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. The the Kaizen principle, I like that one. That was, that was something from the piano playing, it's like doing it over and over again, but just a little bit better at least every time. Mm. But I also studied karate for a little while, and so the Kaizen came from that as well, like, you know, mm. doing and, – and the idea of, like, the, the 10,000 hours principle – Right, you know, it, can, it takes ten thousand hours of of good focus to achieve mastery. Or all of those are good motivators when you're doing the the, the slog. <laughs> Things are taking longer than you thought. Just yeah. remind yourself you're making progress, and it's it's good.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it just helps to understand as well how progress works because I do believe sometimes people looking for big wins rather than for slow movement and I believe that slow movement in the right direction but steady and consistent gives you more because it's basically like weight loss I think that's the that's like the thing that you can that you can have visually in front of you, right? So if you lose weight, if you lose thirty kilo or like sixty pounds or whatever it is in three months, then you can almost bet it comes back some way because you lost it so fast and probably not in the most healthy way. Maybe all the fitness coach is gonna attack me now because I'm <laughs> saying something wrong. But I believe sixty pounds in three months is just ridiculous. A lot of of weight to lose right Mm. so why don't you lose like five pounds a month or whatever I don't I never lost had to lose weight so I'm talking about things I don't know much about but (laughs) it's just very visual right
0: Mm. but
1: what I'm saying is like if we if we strive all the time for these huge big wins then there is usually a bounce back in there So instead of having this yo-yo effect all the time, why don't we just try for these little steps, as you said it before, right? Baby steps. Like Mm. go for the little ones, but then have consistent movement and get to your goal that way. Mm,
2: Absolutely. I I have a numbers background, so I think of it in terms of of graphs, like a a, a line graph. Mm. People would like the line graph of their success to obviously be in an upward direction, but like most people would like the hockey stick. Right. Like that's what they want. What they deep down think will actually happen is like a generally straight upward line. But what really happens is you've got it's a little squiggly line <laughs> that kind of generally heads in that direction. So like for me with my marketing pushing through my comfort zone last year, it was like I would, yes, I'm speaking at a conference dear god that sucked i'm not going to do any more of this marketing crap i don't want to do this for a while like okay now i've got another conference hooray and I, you know it was it was very up and down and you got to be careful how you're monitoring that sense of progress mm-hmm. where, where you're judging it from and one of those pits of despair the line looks like oh yeah you did it once but then it went back to normal mm-hmm. if, if you're not looking at it carefully and like the same thing is true of weight loss i've tried to do that a couple of times not that i'm terribly overweight but you know I would like to be a men's magazine cover with like you know the yeah. the the ripped abs and all that sure. you know <laughs> I've, I've moved past that but you know I used to think that'd be nice and so I've, I've tried it once or twice and I noticed that even then I'd be like you know measuring every day so that I could see what the progress actually was and mm. not just like looking in the mirror and thinking nothing's happening um measuring it every day but then it'd be it'd be ups and downs. Like it, it wouldn't be a consistent sense of progress. And I stopped dieting and went to the supermarket and got a whole bunch of chocolates a couple of times because I looked at the scale. I'm like, I'm doing all this hard work and nothing is happening. Yeah. Anyway, I could I could go on about that for a while. We'll just stop that story. There, <laughs>
1: <me>? <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. I think there is there must be a middle way of like when you're looking at your progress and and how how much you're getting in the perfectionism of a piano player or a ballerina.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, I could I could tell you stories about pointing my toes to the perfection or not and not seeing any progress Mm. and thinking like i'm just gonna break them and they just bend over you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean but for sure so i i totally believe it's also the expectations that we set from the beginning right Mm. like if we set the right expectations we may not gonna run back getting all the chocolates or breaking the toes for things Mm. but looking back what would you say to your younger self when, you, when your daughter was born and you started out and, you know, you went through all of that and suddenly you were like, hmm, no top of the funnel, man, I should be starting some marketing for myself. <laughs> so in all of these situations where you had to be like really, really efficient, what would you say for yourself would be three really actionable steps mm. that worked for you and that you would repeat over and over again? to get you out of this pit or get get you out of this inefficiency, if you want to call it that way.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there's a temptation whenever anyone asks the time, tab- tra- time travel question or when you start thinking about it. It's like you want to go back to your past self and you want to give them the winning lottery numbers. Oh, great. Like tell them exactly what worked. Yeah. But I think it would be better to instead give the principle of, you know, you can't win the lottery if you're not buying tickets as opposed to giving someone a winning lottery. That's not the best example. But so for for me, I wouldn't go back and say, hey, this marketing approach is going to work, do this tactic and everything will be fine.
1: Exactly. Um,
2: Yeah, I, I would instead say probably the two things of focus on what you're uncomfortable doing Mm-hmm. But needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Get better at get better at pushing through that uncomfortable feeling because that's where your success is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Eliminate things that you don't actually need to do. I mean, young Ben, I I I know how we work. We like trying new things every so often. We have a need for a certain amount of variety, but don't let that get you a full to-do list focusing on things that aren't important and that. Too much fun uh, is is a bad thing. There needs to be a certain amount of discomfort on the to-do list as well.
0: Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say those, those two things of do the uncomfortable things that need to be done, eliminate things that don't need to be done and commit to slow progress or be okay with slow progress
1: at mm. times. I love that.
2: I think yeah, just be just because you know you don't want to quit too early when you're actually onto a good thing.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Don't. Uh, let's not get started on that one.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Ben, where can we find you? What can we find there when we go there? And is there anything else you want us to know?
2: Yeah. So I have a website and a Facebook page. I'm also on LinkedIn, but. Not many people are. Um, uh, <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> so the, the website is profitscollective.com. Mm-hmm. So there's an S hidden in the middle there, profitscollective.com. And also on Facebook is Profits Collective. What I have on my website, there's a, an opt-in there. It's called a quick profit hunt. Okay. Oh, like nice. a 10 to 15-minute exercise where you can find more profit without having to sell anymore. Good. Well, without having to sell more, I should say. You still have to sell, but yeah, you get the idea. (laughs) So that's there. I've also got a few other short exercises as well, but uh, that's the main one that usually helps people because they tend to get trapped into either they don't have enough time or they don't have enough money or both. This catch-22. So I figured if I create a short, simple exercise that helps them get more money, then, then they can use the money to fix the time problem and you know, it's the, it's the lead domino to fix the, the challenge they have. Wow, when I say it like that, I feel like I should be charging for it if it's going to – anyway, it's free. <laughs> it's free on the site. Um, so oh, I suppose parting thoughts, what do I want to leave people with? Yeah, probably the three pieces of, ad- pieces of advice I would give my younger self I think applies to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, do the uncomfortable things that need to be done – Be happy if it takes you a while to get past those things and get rid of the stuff you really shouldn't be doing. It's a waste of your time. Like, Get rid of the busyness. Focus on being productive.
1: Yes. Ben, Mm. thank you so, so much for coming on. Everyone who listens to this episode should be checking out (laughs) profitscollective.com. And uh, we will have the links down in the show notes below and uh, linked up wherever you are listening to us and watching us maybe because we're going to have little video snippets on YouTube as well. (laughs) And if you have any issues with money or time, you know where to go for money, to Ben, for time, to me, or the other way around. Don't come to me for money. (laughs) Come to me for time, not for money.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> um, for money, Ben has all the solutions and for time. So just hit Ben up, do the profit hunt. That sounds amazing. I'm going to do this as soon we hang up here, actually, so I can okay. check out some profit and tell you more about it in the show notes. If you have any questions, you know where to find Ben on Facebook and on LinkedIn. If you're there, if not, just make a profile, you know, and um, hunt him down. (laughs) And if you have any questions, guys and girls and everyone in between, you can come on and uh, comment down below. I think that works for most of the platforms. So we should have been covering everything in our first episode. Thank you so much for being my very first guest on Efficiency on Demand.
2: That's right. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you. And,
1: well, we'll be chatting soon again. All right, everyone. This was Efficiency on Demand. If you want more, you should be subscribing right now because we are going to bring you more background stories of business owners and entrepreneurs who have been very efficient in their lives or business and will tell you more about it. I'm going to see you and speak to you, I guess, next week.
0: You've been listening to Efficiency on Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at Weapon to efficiency We'll see you next time on Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Remember. Slow down to speed up.